Good morning. It's good to be able to, sp- to come before you to speak this morning. I think there is just the, tells you the reference on the, on the PowerPoint. Pastor Clint mentioned back in November, maybe, that he's going to be heading to this theology conference and uh, would like to not speak when he got back because he'd be, be able to focus his time there on the conference as opposed to preparing for, for a message and uh, asked us as deacons if we'd like to find somebody or what we wanted to do. And sometimes you need to volunteer and commit to something so that you know you have to do it. When, when you know the Lord's been telling you to do something, you have to commit to it and have other people knowing you committed to it so that you have to prepare for it. So that was what happened, and that's good. I also want to just make a brief comment on the, the theology conference. Um, what a great thing that... I know the trend in many churches today is to be a non-denominational thing, and that's not wrong. I don't mean that that's wrong, but what a, what a blessing in the Evangelical Free Church of America to have a conference dedicated to making sure that our pastors in the, in the Midwest, not just Midwest District, but all of EFCA, are staying true to God's Word, um, that there's help in that, and a time dedicated to make sure that the pastors are staying true to the Word of God. In, in a world where we see the Bible misused over and over to justify sin, it is so good to have a, a denomination that wants to focus on the truth of the Word, and also a credit to our pastor to want to go to that. That is a, a great thing as a church. We should feel blessed. And just him telling me who some of the other guys were there that he knew, what a blessing for our area of Nebraska to have several pastors from just this northeast Nebraska area there. Um, I think that's fantastic. Uh, we could not, as a, as a body here, but also as an area in this world, be more privileged to have men who want to know God's word better and then to proclaim it to the churches better. So that is, that's encouraging to me. Before we start in, in the message, I want to... Um, I want you to pray with me. Uh, a friend of mine that we're actually going to talk about a little later in my message, but uh, he's also preaching today over at the church, and he's kind of called off guard to do this. Uh, James Kirch is going to be speaking in West Point this morning, and he actually wanted to be here, but couldn't because all of a sudden their pastor was gone, and then the guy that was going to back up was gone, and I think it's about now he's speaking, so I want to just pray for James. Father, you use your word no matter who the messenger is, and thank you for, for calling us all to be messengers. And thank you for James specifically this morning that he is uh, ready and willing to give an answer and ready to proclaim your word when asked. I pray for him this morning and myself here that you would give uh, just two laymen who want to impart your word to the congregations um, that ability. And I pray for encouragement for him as this will be the first time he's ever, ever given a message to the church there. Just encourage him this morning. Be upon uh, his heart and the spirit of the congregation there in West Point. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, not that it looks like that outside today, but most of you are ready to be done with winter and ready to go on to spring. I'm sure all of us are thinking with this cold weather, we're ready to move on to spring. And many of you might have already been making plans for for spring to come. Um, With spring comes the ability to start working in the soil, to start doing things with the dirt, and that's what we're going to talk about today, the, par- the, the parable of the soils. I know your headings in your Bible probably say parable of the soil in Mark chapter 4. I would say that heading may be better correctly said the parable of the soils, because we're mostly talking about soils in that parable. But anyway, we're going to talk about dirt, about soil. I know today it's frozen outside and you can't really do much in the dirt, but um, at this time of year I'm thinking about the dirt. I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing in that dirt soon. Well, hopefully soon. 
Um, I'm not able to till it. I'm not able to plant into it. I'm not able to move it much this year, but I'm thinking about it because it's at this time of year, during the wintertime, late fall and winter, when I'm starting to review soil tests, when I'm starting to see nutrient needs of soil, I'm making fertilizer plans, seed planning to know where to put different seeds um, for each acre of seed, and then also beginning to think about what chemicals I might want to use on that seed. I'm starting to think about dirt, even though I can't do much in it right now. So even though we're not actually maybe touching clods of dirt today, and we're not actually um, getting our fingers dirty in the dirt, we're making plans, and I'm making plans, on how to make the soil that I farm as productive as possible. So that when spring comes, I'll be ready to go. So this is going to be a little interactive here. Uh, I want some, a survey, and I think I got my audience pretty decently well here, but I want to, uh, uh, by show of hands, I want to uh, answer the survey that I'm going to give. First question on the survey, who has ever hoed, tilled, dissed, or just generally tilled soil getting ready for seed planting? Raise your hands if that's the case. Okay, most of us. Who has ever fertilized, watered, or weeded plants that are, have been planted? Anybody? Okay, many. All right, good. Um, who has ever harvested those plants, seeds, or whatever you planted? To, to, okay, most of us have done that. For anyone else, who has ever actually just seen this happen? If you haven't done it, have you seen it happen? Okay, so I think for the most part, everybody in our audience today gets the idea of planting a seed in the ground and what it kind of takes in general to, to get a crop out of that. So obviously you all know a little bit about what it takes to raise healthy, growing, and productive plants. And I'm sure if I handed out a quiz, which I'm not going to, but if I handed out a quiz, many of you would do quite well on what it takes to raise a healthy plant. But while seed, water, and sunlight, and fertilizer are key components in the growing of plants, one of the most important aspects of growing productive plants is the soil. Soil is a very important component. As I mentioned earlier, I've been thinking about dirt lately, and, and I guess guessing by the fact that you all most of you are planning to plant, or have anyway, planted seeds. You're maybe thinking about that too. For me, one of the most interesting parts of my planning for, for seeding, and the challenge is that, is the huge variety of soils that we'll be seeding into. Um, I farm ground that has some very sandy coarse soil. I also farm ground that has some brown clay soil. Some of the ground has some whitish limestone type soil. And there's also some soil thank you, Lord, that has black, fine, good dirt. The challenge is when it's all in one single pass through the field that it has all of those. But there is a variety of, of soils that we plant into. Also in this dirt, there are some areas that are, that are hard. They're, they're compacted. They've got some rock below. There's other parts that are very soft and very easy for roots to get into. Other parts of the fields that I'll be planting have tremendous weed pressures. Well, I just know that area of the field is going to have weeds coming because it's just got weed pressure. And other areas do not. There is a variety of factors and differences in the soil that we'll be, I'll be planting in and how productive each variety um, of those soils is in raising a good crop. So as you read today about the peril of the, so of the soils, I think this parable is something we in an agricultural community in northeast Nebraska can all relate to. The parable of the soils is found in three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have an account of it. John does not, but John doesn't actually have any parables, so that makes sense. Um, in Matthew, it's found in chapter 13, verses 3 through 23. Mark is chapter 4, 1 through 20, and Luke is chapter 8, 5 through 15. 
reading all three of them. They're all pretty similar, but we're going to go to Mark today. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Mark, we will read this together. Mark chapter 4, and I should have had it marked before, but I didn't. Chapter 4, and we'll start at verse 1, even though the parable really doesn't get going until about um, verse 3, but we'll start at verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky soil, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked, all the, plants, choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears, let him hear. Ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone with the twelve and the others around him, he asked them about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. The people are like the seed along the path. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what, it was, what was sown. Before we dig into the details of, that, of this parable, I want to just clarify a couple things. Many of you probably know this, but I want to just clarify it for sure. The farmer-sower was not selective in that day where he was planting the seed. Um, you would probably visualize, if you've seen our capital in Lincoln, the, the sower on top of the capital, it's got a pouch of seed, and he's ready to just toss seed. It's not like today's planters that plant it. The, the rows are exactly, in our case, 30 inches apart from each other. The seeds are planted exactly the same distance apart from each other as they get dropped in the soil. Hopefully, to the best of our ability, the seeds are at exactly the same depth in the soil. That is not the sowing we're talking about here. This is more of a scattering of seed. Kind of the way you might plant grass, possibly, maybe. Um, but it's not in perfect straight lines like we have today in many of our uh, planting equipment. Also, I want to make sure to note that nowhere in here is the sower, the farmer, condemned for scattering seed that falls on the rocks or the path or any other places. As we read in verse 14, the seed is the word of God. All places need that word. It's not just for the good soils. Um, one other quick point about the seed, again, is it's the word of God. It is perfect. Seed today, I think the last seed we bought had some like 98% germination. So some of those seeds aren't even any good. 
This is not the case with the Word of God. It is all good. There is no lack of 100% germination in the Word of God. It is good for all soil types, and it is free for us to give out. It did cost Jesus his life, but it is free for us to give. Seed today that we buy is expensive. So in the parable, we saw the seed planted on four different soil types. I want to take you back again to Mark 4, and we're going to look at verses 4, 5, 7, and 8. 4 says, and I'm just going to read part of the verse there. It says, some fell on the path. The birds came and ate it up. Verse 5, some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. And then 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And then verse 8, other fell on good soil. So those are the four soil types we have. We have the hard-packed soil, the path, packed from years of being walked on. The rocky soil, with little depth of soil to grow plants in. The thorny soils, that have weeds, stickers, thorns. And then the good, fertile soil that's productive. So these four soil types, they represent each one of us here today. Each one of us would fit into one of these soil types. It represents the condition of your hearts today and how you receive God's word. So the question we're going to start off with today is, what type of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? Am I good productive soil or do I even want to become good productive soil where the seed can, can take good, strong, deep root? Well, first of all, I'm going to help us figure out what type of soil we are presently. Which one of these soil types that Jesus mentions in the parable most accurately describes the condition of our heart? Mark 4.4 talks about the seed falling on the path. It represents a heart that is closed off to hearing and wanting to hear the gospel. It is is hard packed like a hard road. And it will not let the gospel get in. And then because it does not let the gospel get in, Satan comes and takes the the word of truth away. Um, This heart is hardened, so it it doesn't want to hear God's word. Does that represent your heart today? I hope not. But have you ever let the seed of the gospel get into your heart? Or is your heart hardened and closed to that? Second type of soil is the rocky soil. It mentioned that in verse uh, 5 and 6. Soil also is, is very hard. Now it does have a little bit of a little bit of topsoil, but there's a there's a a little topsoil that gets that seed growing. It looks like there's a Christian life growing there, but there's a hard pan just below. And that root cannot get in. The root of the gospel cannot get into our lives. This hard pan won't let the seed take deep root. And this heart, this heart type says, I just want a little of Jesus in my life. Just a little. Um, I don't want him to have control of my life. I just want to have a little bit. You place definite limits on just how far you will let God's word affect your life. You maintain control of all things you're on your own, and you do not let God have control of them. Then you go through trials in life and you try to handle them all on your own because you're in control. And that seed cannot get down into your heart. And then you cannot figure out why you fall away from God so easily whenever trials come. As it says in verse 6, when the sun comes out, you get scorched because there's no root. There's no root in God's word. Now the third soil type is possibly actually decent soil. Um, it's, It's possibly that it could produce a good crop. But unfortunately, it's full of thorns and weeds. I mean, it might be decent soil, but unfortunately, it's full of these things that are competing with it. Verses 18 and 19, I'm going to read those here, say, 
still other seed like the seed sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. So they say the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things, these are the thorns, these are the weeds that overtake that seed and choke it out. Do you fit into this category? Or maybe at some point in time in your life you've said a, a prayer or something that asked Jesus into your life, but it's just that. You've wanted him to come in and add him to everything else you already have in your life. Okay, I'm going to take a little Jesus and add it into my life. But you've never really trusted Jesus with control. It's, it's just simply adding him to other things. You struggle with worry because you've never given things over to Jesus. You have a small trial come and you're overtaken by it. The allure of making more money, more wealth catches you. And all the while, you don't consider or care about the cost that's having on your spiritual life, your walk with Jesus. Essentially, you refuse to cut out the thorns of your life and let Jesus have control, possibly because you like him too much. You like the thorns. You like the weeds. Therefore, the gospel gets choked out by these weeds and thorns that you allow to grow up in your heart. Maybe that's the soil type we're dealing with. The fourth soil type is good soil. It's productive, fertile soil, but it does not mean that the soil does not have challenges. It does not mean that there are struggles. It does not mean it's easy sailing and always um, simple. Compaction and weeds often threaten, but the soil is good soil because it regularly takes in the Word of God. It regularly has to go through the process of letting Jesus have control. It gives the seed, which is the gospel, the things it needs to help it grow and allow it to take root deep in the heart. And it prevents the things that would harm the seed and try overtaking it. This soil, this good soil, represents a heart yielded to God. So the next part of the message this morning, I want to I ask you, and we're going to go through, how do you turn unproductive, rocky, thorny, weedy soil into good, productive soil? How does that happen? Now, I want to go back to the, the original survey of asking who has ever raised seed to harvest a crop of some sort. Many of you, or most all of you actually said you had, or all of you said you at least seen it done, so you kind of get a, an idea. But I'll bet you for those who have grown something, you've all had parts of your soil that aren't so productive. I mean, in a, in a garden, there's areas where you know, that's really good. We'll plant some stuff here. This is not so good. We're going to try to make it better somehow. And obviously, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, we're all dealing with, dealing with that, that there's more productive and unproductive, uh, unproductive parts in the area where we're trying to grow things. The same applies to our heart. If you know your heart is not good, fertile, productive soil for God to use, what do you need to do to make it fertile, productive, the good soil? Well, if you're here this morning and your heart is like the path, it is hard-packed ground. You don't know Jesus, and you've never thought you really wanted to know him, for you, I pray you would open your heart to Jesus this morning. I pray you would open your heart to sense God's drawing of the Holy Spirit to himself. Acknowledge that you have sinned and ask Jesus for forgiveness of that sin. Romans 3.23 tells us all of us have sinned. Every one of us has sinned. And we've all fallen short of, of God's glory. And 1 John 1, nine tells us if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So those two promises to you tell you what is the, pro the beginning of the process to, to turn your hard-packed soil of your heart over to the Lord. That's the beginning and the steps. Maybe you're here this morning and you are the rocky soil. 
where the plant could never get rooted very deep, so it withered once any trouble came, and it fell away with any persecution. That's in verses 16 and 17. It says, others like the seed sown on the rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Maybe this represents you. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to come into your life with a, a bee ripper. That's the best illustration I came up with is I thought, sometimes our heart gets this rocky hard pan. Maybe that describes your heart this morning. And you need a deep till, a cutting through of the shallow soil deep in your heart. Maybe you've just been playing games with God, only allowing him to be surface deep in your life. You won't let his word take root in your heart. You won't let him get in control of your life. You will just let him be in the top surface. You need a deep till, a V-ripper to come through and uh, to open up the soil so the word can get in. Now, although it might initially seem like it's going to be quite painful to do that, or at least you know it could be, um, you'll need to do that to let Jesus cut through this hardness of your heart. Cut through areas that you've never given him control over. This will also, just like the first soil type, it will, it will involve confessing your sin to Jesus, acknowledging your sin, asking him to take it away. Sins that you know you're committing presently or ones that maybe you've tried to forget, pack away, not think about, it will involve confessing sin, bringing them all to Jesus and asking for forgiveness. This deep till in your heart to loosen the soil will also probably involve both asking those who you've hurt for forgiveness and then forgiving people who have hurt you, maybe if they don't even ask for forgiveness. It will involve both of those because that's possibly why you have a hard pan there. These things will begin this tilling process to allow the seed of the gospel to get into your heart and take good root, to root deep and affect every aspect of your life. Thirdly, maybe you've identified the soil of your heart as the thorny, the weedy soil where the thorns and weeds are choking out the plant. Well, how do you turn this soil, this heart, into productive soil? So just as I said in regards to the rocky soil, the first step in the, the thorny soil is to admit to Jesus your sin, to come before him, acknowledging that you need him to for, forgive your sin, to ask him forgiveness, All right, as Andy said, his, his throat is sore. Mine's been sore this week, too. Um, in this thorny soil, I do see a little bit different between the rocky soil. So in the rocky soil, there was kind of this hard pan where they could only get in just a little bit. And then there was a rock hard, like a hard pan below that. In the thorny soil, and this is my take here, I don't see this as a hardening of your heart towards Jesus. I just, I don't think it's a heart that's opposed to him. It's just trying to add Jesus to your life a little bit. Um, just adding him to your life with everything else you got going on. That's a very common thing that's happening amongst, and I'm going to use a term really loosely here, Christians today, is just, oh, let's just add a little Jesus to our life. All you need to do is add a little Jesus to your life. I'm sorry. In, in my opinion, that is the thorny soil, the weedy soil, because you're just adding Jesus into the, 
the thorns, the, the, the weeds, and you're not getting rid of the weeds or the thorns. You're not giving him first place. You're just adding him to the stuff. Well, all of you obviously said you have seen plants grow, are involved in that a little bit. Most of us, I think all of us, if we want to raise a product, would not plant seed in an area that's full of weeds and thorns. I mean, if we wanted to grow something, typically you're not going to plant seed in an area that you know is full of weeds and thorns. You're going to do something to that soil to get rid of those things. Whether you hoe it, whether you till it, whether you disc it, whether you plow it, whatever it takes, you get rid of the weeds and thorns first or you spray it with something to kill the weeds. I mean, you typically do something because you all know um, you need something to kill those weeds and thorns so that seed can grow. Now, in the heart's case, to turn this thorny soil and this weedy soil into productive soil, you'll need to let God do this weed control. You're going to have to ask him what pursuits in your life are taking away from him. What things are, are taking a lot of time and energy from you? They may not be bad things. I don't mean to give you the impression that the, all the stuff that we have in our life is bad. But what things in our life are, are not helping you grow closer to Jesus? Ask him what things in your life are, 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 giving, are you giving priority over him? The truth of that matter is that sometimes we don't see him ourselves. I mean, there's things probably that I have in my life that I don't even realize I've given more priority to than Jesus, and I need someone else to help me with that. So oftentimes it's asking someone else, what in my life do you see that I am valuing, giving higher priority over Jesus? But also we need to ask Jesus, help me with that. Ask him to help you give him total freedom to get rid of these thorns and these weeds God is a good gardener. He's the master gardener. I'm serious. I'm, I'm certain if we're serious about asking God to get rid of the weeds and thorns in our life, he will do so. But it's possible that stuff that we think of as seed, he sees as weeds. It's possible stuff we're thinking, that's kind of a nice little plant. He says, that's a weed. That's a thorn. We need to get rid of that. So through that process, you'll have to trust that God knows best. Through that process, you'll have to know, okay, if God identifies something as a weed in my life, I need to let him take it out. The last thing we're going to discuss today is maintaining productive soil. Verses 8 and 20, both those two verses, talk about this soil that is good and productive. I'm going to read those two verses. It says, still other seed fell on good soil, came up, grew, produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then verse 20 says, Others like the seed, grown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times what it was sown. <clears throat> so this morning you're, you're, you've heard the soil types, and you know you've confessed your sins to Jesus. You know you've asked him to come into your life. You know that has happened. You know you've given him control of your life. You've asked him to come in. You've asked him to do a, a deep till in your heart to break through the rocks, the hard pain. You've asked him to kill the weeds and the thorns in your life that have been competing with Jesus first place. That is great. That is wonderful. That, that is 
where I hope you, you want to be, have, having asked Jesus to come into your life and take root. So does that mean you can just coast on through now? Does that mean, boy, this is going to be simple. It's good soil. We just let it go. By no means. We can't just coast. So I have a friend, and that's James Kirch, actually, that's speaking over in West Point this morning. But I have a friend who, he really enjoys studying soils. If you talk to him much very long, you're going to get that. He, he likes to talk about dirt. And he really enjoys, um, he really enjoys dirt, which is good in his case, because he's a, he's a farmer, and he's a seed salesman. And he knows that he na- needs to regularly be checking the soil to make sure that it stays good. He goes to seminars. He challenges me to go to them too. Sometimes I have to say no. Um, not that I wouldn't want to go, but he's got much more passion about dirt than I do. Um, but he goes to seminars to learn how to improve soil quality, to learn how to make the soil more productive. He knows that even while you might plant his good Hogemeyer seed, if the soil's not good, it isn't going to grow and yield a good crop. So as most farmers do, many farmers, he has soil samples taken of the ground that he farms. And I know while many farmers, including myself sometimes, um, look at these soil samples and think, yep, okay, it tells I need some, some map on, so many pounds of map on this, map is a fertilizer type, on this soil, I need a little bit of potash on this soil, so many pounds of it, and the pH is low over here, so I need some lime. What he's been telling me the last couple of years is you also need to look at the micronutrient levels in the soil. The, the big stuff is, is important, but looking at the micronutrient levels in your, your good soil. The zinc, the iron, the boron, the magnesium, the micronutrients, look at that on your soil tests. See where those fall. Those fall. Well, I see this as kind of like our heart towards Jesus. While we may think we're taking care of the big things correctly, I mean, we're reading our Bibles, we're praying, we're getting into fellowship with others, other believers in, the, in, in church regularly, we're singing praises. We're doing really good things. All those things are really instrumental, actually, in maintaining good soil. All those things are, are fantastic to help us make that, keep that, that soil productive. But maybe there's some micronutrient issues that are limiting just how productive your soil, your heart, is for the Lord. Maybe there's some, some small things, possibly, that um, you're letting go un, un, unnoticed. Maybe there's a small root of bitterness in your heart towards somebody. That is, it's not huge, it's not overtaking you, at least you don't think so. Maybe someone else watches your life and realizes that they're bitter. And usually we don't know that when we are. So maybe there's a small root of bitterness towards someone in your life that you need to confess. Maybe there's a sin of pride that is kind of going unchecked in your heart. Maybe there's other sins that are just, just left undone. I mean, boy, we haven't ever committed, a, and I'm putting this in quotations too because there's no such thing as a big or small sin, but we've never committed a big sin. Well, all sins are big because they all take us away from the Lord. But maybe there's sin in our heart that we need to just ask God, Lord, what is it that is limiting me from being the best soil I possibly could be for you? Ask God to point out all these areas in your life even as small as some may be, and give him full and total reign in your heart. Let him have his own way in your heart. 
Well, in talking about good productive soil, there's obviously one item I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Because of its value in maintaining and increasing soil productivity and soil health. That item is manure. Not often you talk about manure in a message on Sunday morning. So what in the world does manure have to do with our walk with God? How is manure to apply to our message this morning? What does manure help? How does it help and develop and maintain productive soil? Manure is generally stinky. It's not something we really want to deal with, handle. But I'm telling you, manure is good for your soil. In our spiritual life, let's bring this back to applying it not just to dirt, because it's easy to apply that to dirt and let it go. Let's talk about how this manure applies to our spiritual life. I see this manure as the times in our life where God allows trials. I see this as the stuff that we don't like to go through, and maybe we would try to avoid if possible. Maybe it's losing a loved one. Maybe it's losing a job. Maybe it's having a hailstorm go through and destroy your crop. Maybe it's a medical issue that changes your life. Maybe it's an accident. There are many, many things that we may have to endure in life that we would rather not go through. And I'm sure all of you have things that you've had to deal with in life that you would rather not go through. These things are not fun. They're not what we'd planned. They're not what we'd hoped for. There are things that are stinky. There's things that are yucky. They're not fun to deal with. Like manure. Now, where the soil we spread manure doesn't have much choice how to respond to it, we do. When you put it on the soil and it it has to respond to what you put onto it. It doesn't have a choice. We have a choice of how to respond to the manure in our life. Each one of the challenges that I just mentioned a bit ago, and I again I'm sure there's more that could be named that you've had to deal with in your life. They all bring us an opportunity to allow the soil of our hearts to become more useful, to more tillable, more productive. It comes down to how do we respond to those things. Does it cause us to draw in closer to Jesus through the trial, through the stuff we don't like? Do we lean into Jesus more knowing that through this trial we cannot make it on our own? I've had, and I'm sure you all have had too, some manure happen in your life. I'm sure I, if you haven't, you will have some sometime. Trust me. If you live on this earth, very long trials, and again, an illustration here of the soils, manure will come into your life. There's things that I've gone through that I wish, I, I wish to not go through. Trials I would not have chosen if they were up to me, but they happened. We went through them. And then I have to decide how to respond. I will confess, I'm not sure my first initial response has always been, oh, thank you, Lord, for this trial. Thank you for the manure in my life. But as I've gone through them, I've been forced to ask, am I going to trust God through this or not? Am I going to trust that he can take me through this? Does he know what's best? So the question I have to ask myself is, do I trust that the all-knowing, the all-powerful God who sees eternity in every moment of our life, who loves me more than I could begin to imagine and comprehend, does he know what's best for me? Or do I think that I, a simple-minded, 
weakling who only sees immediately in front of me knows better than God. Now, I wish it was that easy because those two comparisons are pretty wide. It's not quite that easy all the time. Sometimes we do think we know better than God. I'm pretty sure all of us have been in that spot where we, we thought we did. But I know as I look back on the manure that's happened in my life and as you do in your life, you can see that it was an opportunity to draw closer to God. You can see that it was an opportunity to humble yourself and trust Him. And possibly also an opportunity to be compassionate to others who are going through similar struggles in their life. So to wrap this all up today, I want us to be honest with ourselves. I want to ask you and you, you think about where you fit in this today. So are you here the path that's closed off to Jesus that the seed cannot begin to get into? Are you the rocky soil? That you have really shallow soil. And although it appears like a plant is maybe growing at times, it's not. Because immediately when any trials come and when any um, persecution comes at all, it dies. Or are you here the thorny, the weedy soil and needing to let the Lord do some weed eradication? Maybe come through and till the weeds out. And a lot of us would rather just do weed management. The Lord would rather do weed get rid of. Um, so maybe that represents you here this morning. Trusting him that he will take out the stuff that he needs to take out and leave him. Or lastly, maybe you are the fertile soil here this morning, as we just talked about. Maybe Jesus is at the center of your life. You trusted him as your savior, but you still need to continue to allow him to till your heart, to fertilize it, to water it, to make your heart a place where God's word can, re- God's word can root down deep and affect all of your life. That relationship with Jesus will grow strong. When the hot sun comes, it won't scorch and wilt and die away. It may struggle. I'm not going to say it's not going to be a struggle, but it, it will have a root deep. When the winds blow and want to blow it over, the root that's deep will stand, stand strong because you've allowed Jesus, his word, to get in and, and root down deeply. I want to read for you, in closing, a uh, couple verses of a hymn. It's called, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. We're going to sing the first verse, but first we're going to read. First I want to read for you verses um, 2 and 4, then we're going, to re- we're going to sing together in closing verse 1. But verse 2 of Have Thine Own Way, Lord, says, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. And verse 4 says, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold, hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only, always living in me. So in closing, I want to ask us if we would uh, stand, and we'll sing the first verse of that, Have thine own way, Lord, together. You've heard verses 2 and 4, but I want to sing together as we close verse 1. Let's pray together in closing. Lord, I hope that is the desire of our hearts, this, this song we've sung to you. Have your own way in our life. Lord, we often don't realize what we're holding on to tight. Use your Holy Spirit to make those evident to us. 
then we would yield. We would yield control to let your word, to let your Holy Spirit take deep root in our hearts. We would ground in deep, deep um, growing plants in your word. Thank you that we're not alone in this. Your Holy Spirit will guide us. Your Holy Spirit will help us. Thank you that you've made this way for us. I just pray for each one here that they would seek out you and, and, and make their soil of their heart continue to grow fertile soil. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.